This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith with Jesus Christ. Hey, what's up? My name is Chris Ifill. I'm lead pastor here at Grace River Church. And I want to say thank you so much for watching online at home. Uh, this weekend at Grace River, we're celebrating uh, what we call Baptism Weekend. And so today, I'm going to be talking exclusively about why we get baptized and what's so important about baptism, what the deal is with baptism, and why this may be your next step. And maybe you've already been baptized. Maybe you were baptized as a child. Maybe you were baptized as an adult. I want you to know this is going to be a great talk no matter where you're at on the spiritual journey. Maybe you've never been baptized and you just been wanting to know more about it. Uh, what it's all about, or maybe you're just looking into more about what the Christian faith is all about. So no matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, uh, what's really important is this talk is for you. And so uh, I want to just kind of open up our talk by saying some of the things that we do in church is a little weird sometimes. And we just don't even like, uh, we don't even think about it because we just get used to it. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we do over and over and over again in church, two things really, is communion and baptism that just kind of... Uh, they're, they're kind of weird if you think about it, but they just get normalized in church. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this. But before we do, I think this term really makes a whole lot of sense when it comes to baptism. It's this familiarity breeds contempt. And it's just this old expression uh, that just says the more familiar you get with something, the less and less significant it means to you. And so the more familiar you get with something, the significance sometimes actually drops out. And so I, I haven't uh, always lived in the St. Louis area. I'm from Southwest Missouri, Springfield, Missouri, originally. And so as a kid, we would drive up to St. Louis. I had an uncle who lived near Forest Park, and we would drive uh, up, up I-44 and get off on Kings Highway, and then we would head over that direction. His, his place was by Barnes Jewish Hospital, and he had a really nice house. But man, off the exit, you could see the arch. And I remember as a kid marveling at just the arch, how amazing it was. And I mean, I always remember thinking, this is absolutely crazy. I can't believe this amazing thing that just is in the air, that it's in the skyline of St. Louis. It blew me away. And as a kid, I could never get over looking at the arch. Well, guess what? Now I live here, right? And I'm an adult and I, I'll, I can sit and look at the arch and I'm still, you know, it's still awesome and everything, but it's just a part of the skyline that I'm just used to when I'm driving around in downtown St. Louis, it's gotten familiar. And so familiarity has breeded contempt in my life when it comes to the arch. I think it's a really important, significant thing to think about. Like, man, this is awesome. But again, I've seen it. I've been there. I've done that. I've been up in it more times than I can count, right? I'm always blown away when I meet somebody that's from St. Louis that's never actually gone up inside of the arch, right? But familiarity breeds this contempt. Uh, we oftentimes, maybe you, this happens even in marriages a lot of times, right? And so uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Man, there was a time when you thought your spouse was going to complete you. You thought uh, that, th that they were going to uh, fulfill everything in your life that you were missing. And then you were married for like an hour, right? And then you realized, oh my gosh, they don't actually complete me, right? The only thing that really completes us is a relationship with God through Jesus, right? But familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, I was in Chicago last week and I got to go to the Moody Church. It was pretty cool. And so uh, my, my friend pastors the Moody Church now. It's pretty crazy. Uh, and this is a, a 3,600 seat auditorium in downtown Chicago. This was built, uh, Moody uh, celebrated their 150th anniversary as a church. It was built before World War I. Like it's crazy how old this church is. And so uh, 
It's, it's absolutely wild. So for me, I was tripped out by this because uh, Moody Church was obviously founded or named after a guy named D.L. Moody. And you may wonder, uh, who is D.L. Moody and why does it matter, right? Well, again, familiarity breeds contempt. But D.L. Moody, uh, he's a guy that was led to Christ in Boston outside of a shoe store. And D.L. Moody then led Wilt Chapman to Christ, who led Billy Sunday to Christ, who led Mordecai Ham to Christ, who led Billy Graham to Christ, right? And so without D.L. Moody, there would have never been a Billy Graham. And that's the significance of Moody Church, right? And so uh, there's some significant things. And for me, I, I know about all of these guys. In fact, this guy was also a pastor at, at the Moody Church as well. Uh, and, and, and Billy Graham had actually spoke at the Moody Church. I sat in an office last week that Billy Graham used to have at Moody Church. And I remember thinking, man, this is absolutely crazy uh, to be in this historical place and to think about all the different people that have come to faith in Christ. In fact, the modern day altar call, if you remember, if you ever grew up going to a church that had an altar call or whatever, the modern day altar call was actually developed at Moody Church. It was D.L. Moody who created the altar call. There wasn't moments like that before that, which is absolutely crazy to think about. And so, but back to baptism for a second. I think baptism, just like things that we get familiar with, we get familiar with the arch, we get, we get too familiar to the person that we're married to or the people that we're related to. And, and a lot of times we get, we get too familiar uh, when, it comes to thing, when it comes to baptism. Baptism is something that we get familiar with and it loses its meaning. And so I think it's really important that we come back to what is the meaning, what is the purpose behind baptism. And so and I wanted to look this up. I wanted to find the first time baptism is ever mentioned in human history. It's kind of interesting. It was 100 B.C., the first time the word baptismo is actually interested, or actually ever, ever used, and it shows up in human history as a pickle recipe uh, from about 100 BC. How many of you guys like pickles, right? Like pickles are gross. Actually, I like pickles, but cucumbers are gross. I like a pickle, but I don't like cucumbers. Whatever happens in that process when a cucumber becomes a pickle is absolutely amazing because I won't eat a cucumber, but I will eat a pickle, right? I don't know if you're with me on that. Uh, I don't know if you're a pickle person on your Chick-fil-A sandwich. I am, but some people are really snobby and don't want the pickle or even the pickle juice on their bun. And so uh, it just depends on how, on how high maintenance you are. But baptism didn't actually, didn't actually start with Christianity. It existed long before Christ was born. And so long before Jesus is born on earth, baptism was a thing. In fact, it was a thing in the Jewish culture. And so it was a thing called mikvah at the time. So mikvah is where baptism got its original roots. And really today I want to talk to you about three different kinds of baptism today. And so three different kinds of baptism. And I'm going to give you a little bit of history behind baptism and a little bit of the why we should be baptized. And so a little bit of history. Uh, mikvah was, uh, was a Jewish form of baptism. Uh, and so uh, to be able to worship in a temple... Uh, you would have to go through the process of mikvah, which is the process of being completely dipped under water. And so a priest would have to be completely dipped under water before they could uh, do their priestly duties. Uh, a woman, even after a menstrual cycle, would have to be completely dipped under the water. A man, uh, after he had been with his wife, would have to have been completely dipped under the water to be able to go into the temple to have to, to be able to worship. They would need to practice this continual ritual of being cleaned on the outside through mikvah so God would accept them on the inside. So this was a Old Testament Jewish practice 
uh, that, was, that was practiced over and over and over again. This is pre-Christianity. This is pre-Jesus coming to earth to live and die on the cross. Mikvah was the introduction of baptism. And so uh, if you look at your Bible, if you ever look at a Bible, really the first two-thirds of the Bible is what's known as the Old Testament. And there was over 600 laws in the Old Testament that people would have to follow to make themselves right with a holy God. And so it's pretty wild to think about all these different laws, all these different rules, all these different standards that people would have to keep up with in order to make themselves right with a holy God. But what's interesting about the law is the law was never intended to be the absolute savior. The the law was only preparing the way for for the person of Jesus Christ. And so mikvah was never intended to be something that people would practice for the rest of eternity, all right? Mikvah was something that was gonna be practiced during this time period for Jewish people, this was what they would experience with baptism. That's what mikvah was. And so uh, it shows up continually throughout the Old Testament examples of mikvah. But one in particular uh, is with a man named Na- Naaman. Naaman uh, was uh, a person in the Old Testament that had leprosy. He shows up in the book of Second Kings. So Naaman has leprosy and he, he wants to get healed of leprosy. So he goes to the prophet Elijah and he tells Elijah, hey, I, you know, he travels a long distance to go to Elijah and says, hey, I, I need to get healed from my leprosy. And Elijah doesn't even come out of his house to talk to him. And he just tells him to go back to the Jordan River and to be baptized and to be dipped, mikvah, seven times in the Jordan River. And so that's what he tells Naaman to go do. And Naaman is irritated by this. He's frustrated. He's like, man, why in the world would I have to go to the Jordan River? The Jordan River wasn't the cleanest of the rivers that he would have crossed uh, to get to talk to Elijah. And so he's like, why would I go all the way back to the Jordan River to be be mikvahed seven times? What in the world? How is that really going to cure me of my leprosy? And so he leaves with a lot of anger, thinking there's no way that I'm actually doing this. And again, Elijah was asking him to do something small. That's all he was asking him to do, to go and do this seven times. And so uh, one of his one of his generals, one of his soldiers talked to his name was a general. One of his soldiers talked to him and said, hey, would you consider doing something like this? Just something small like this. And, and he's able to actually, the soldier's able to actually convince him, convince Naaman to go and do the mikvah thing seven times in the Jordan River. And so he does it. And he baptizes once, twice, third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. The seventh time, Naaman comes up out of the water and his leprosy, his skin-eating disease, is gone. And he come, comes all the way back to Elijah to offer him money and say, man, thank you so much for this. And Elijah won't take his money. And he says, listen, this is intended for, for your heart, for your good, right? And that kind of baptism uh, was intended to clean somebody on the outside so that God would accept them on the inside. That's what mikvah is. Now, mikvah is not the kind of baptism that we celebrate at Grace River. And so mikvah is not the kind of baptism that we see in the New Testament, but this is where it gets its origins. I think it's important to recognize where did baptism start? Where did the practice of someone getting baptized really begin? And what it really began, it's got its roots in the Jewish faith in the Old Testament, and it was known as this term mikvah, right? And so uh, you may have a Jewish friend or you may have a Jewish background and you're very familiar with that. So that's where that comes from. The second kind of baptism that I want to talk about today is the baptism by a guy named John the Baptist. Really original, right? So John the Baptist was also the cousin of Jesus. And so John's baptism uh, is different than the baptism 
that we celebrate even here at Grace River today. John's baptism uh, is the baptism that Jesus was baptized as, but John's baptism is interesting because John's version of baptism happens before the death of Jesus. And so uh, I want you to see what John's version of baptism was really about. Again, mikvah, just a little, little repeat here, mikvah was all about cleaning up your outsides so God would accept your insides. And John's baptism is different because John's baptism is all about cleaning up your inside and then your outside gets cleaned. And so it's about, it starts really with the heart. And this is, this is the beginning of what baptism is about for us today. And so let's start with John's baptism in Matthew chapter three is where we're at in the Bible. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was this, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. There were over 380 examples in the Old Testament of the coming of Jesus. And John the Baptist knew that Jesus was near, that the coming of Jesus was near. And he says this, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said this, that he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord is coming. Clear the road for him. And then in verse five, People from Jerusalem and from all over Judea, all over the Jordan Valley, went out to see and hear John. And when they had confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. So the same river that Naaman got baptized is the same river where John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, is baptizing people. And notice why he's baptizing them. They're ba he's baptizing them because they confessed their sins and he baptized them in the water. What this baptism was about was this, is they realized that it was more than just mikvah. It was more than just cleaning up their outside. It was about cleaning up their inside, about what was going on in their hearts. And they confessed their sins to a holy God. They admitted to God that they were broken sinners. And this is important because, listen, we are all like that even today. We all have to come to a place where we confess our sins, our brokenness. And, man, this is, this is a, a big thing. And so Jesus himself is baptized like this. In fact, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 14 then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. This is interesting. Look at verse 14. But John tried to talk him out of it. I mean, can you imagine trying to talk Jesus out of being baptized? I mean, this is actually kind of hilarious to think about. John just feels bad because he says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? And again, John goes on to baptize Jesus. Jesus is saying this, I want to be an example. All right, I'm asking other people to get baptized I'm also going to get baptized. And so uh, the baptism of Jesus was, uh, was just like mikvah in the way that it was, it was really about complete immersion. And so whenever Jesus was baptized, he was not sprinkled. They didn't pour a bucket of water over his head. He literally went completely under, under the water and back up out. And so it best represents, uh, this kind of baptism best represents a complete life change. It, complete, it best represents God cleansing us from the inside out. And so that's what John's baptism was. It was an inside out change. So inside of our hearts and then an outside result of it. And so uh, that's the second kind of baptism is John's baptism. And the third kind of baptism is Jesus' baptism. And so that's the third type of baptism. And, that, and what I mean by Jesus' baptism, I, what I mean by that is this, is it's not just about an outside in change, and it's not about an inside out change. What it really is about, it's about a person that is crossing over from spiritual death to spiritual life kind of change. From, from spiritual death 
to spiritual life. And so that's what baptism best represents. When someone goes under the water, what we're talking about is we're talking about the old person who they used to be, the shadow of darkness that used to live in their heart, that used to live in their life. That person is over. Now, does it happen in the moment of baptism? No, it happens in the moment whenever the person gives their life to Jesus. Baptism is simply a, a symbol, an outside symbol of something that had already happened in their, in their heart and their, their life. Just like my wedding ring, I could take my wedding ring off and I'm still married, right? So I can leave my wedding ring on and I'm still married. A wedding ring is simply this. It's an, it's an, outside, uh, it's an outside symbol of an inward commitment that I made in my life, right? And so uh, there, there are plenty of these things in our culture, but a wedding ring best represents that. And so you can be a Christian and not be baptized because the most significant part of being a Christian is this moment where we repent of our sins and we cross over from spiritual death to spiritual life. And so what, what, what's interesting about baptism is baptism is simply a symbol. There's nothing special about the water. Uh, there's nothing special that happens inside of the water. But baptism is, is our way of symbolically saying, man, I, I've surrendered and given my life to Jesus. And I've crossed over from death to life spiritually. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we also joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. The purpose and the point here is this, is that the idea of baptism today Yes, we are celebrating a change that has happened in our lives, but what we are really celebrating is someone has crossed over from spiritual death to spiritual life. Someone has made a decision to say, man, I am no longer living in darkness. The person who I used to be is dead. What we're really doing is, is we're burying who they used to be. Their old hurts, their old habits, their old hangups, it's all over. And today what we're doing is we're celebrating the, a new life that person has in Jesus Christ. I want you to hear a story of someone that's getting baptized this weekend here at Grace River Church. She's my friend Karen. And uh, Karen started coming to our church a few years ago. And it's been really cool to watch Karen grow in Christ and just to see her life and to hear more of her story about who she used to be and who she is today. I want you to hear from Karen herself right now. Check the story out. Hi, my name is Karen Mazzola, and I'm here to share with you my story. So I was born into a Catholic family in the 1950s and was reared in the Catholic church. I attended a parochial school from K through 12. And when I uh, finished my high school education, I actually entered a convent um, expecting to become a nun. During my time in school, I was very involved in my church and um, the, the church's school. I taught religion classes, led a worship team, um, worked in my teen group, and um, was very involved in different aspects of the churches. And um, it, it just, I, it wasn't working out. Um, and so I just kind of stopped going to church. And I stopped going to church for a very long time. Uh, and so when I got into my 50s, I had kind of a uh, trauma happen in my life, and uh, I felt that I just wanted to get back to my normal self, and I was having trouble adjusting, 
and I decided that perhaps I needed to go back to church. So I sought out some friends who went to a non-Catholic church because I saw what their life had been like before meeting Jesus and after meeting Jesus and what a change and an impact it had on them and their family. And so I asked them if I could attend with them some Sunday when it was convenient and they immediately called me and asked me to come the following Sunday. Um, fast forward uh, another 15 years or so and I had relocated to the St. Louis area and um, was seeking out a church and that's how I uh, found Grace River. So um, I actually was a born again Christian about 16 or 17 years ago and had never really taken the step to go undergo baptism by immersion. Um, while I was at a starting point dinner at Grace River, um, Rob, one of the assistant pastors, talked about what that meant and how it was an outward expression of your commitment to faith and to Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to have that experience. I had been under the impression that it was sort of an optional choice for a Christian to make. Um, and I had not ever really engaged in it. I knew a lot of people from my previous churches had undergone baptism, but I had not. What I understood was it wasn't about what religion you were. It was about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And even though I had spent time in a convent, I came to realize that I learned many things about the Catholic religion, but I never really learned to have a relationship with Jesus. I would encourage anyone who has doubts about their faith or their religion to consider whether or not you truly have that relationship with Jesus because that's where the joy is. Man, I love what God has done in Karen's life and I love what God has done in your life. And you may be watching today and you're like, man, my story is a lot like Karen's. You just didn't know. And I think it's really important that you take that next step. And so today, if you're watching and you've never been baptized, I would tell you this, man, would you take, I would challenge you with this thought, would you take this small step? If I was to ask you, would you do something big for God? A lot of you would say, yes, man, I, I would do something big for God. But you'll never do something big for God unless you choose to do something small for him. And baptism, to be honest with you, is, is the next step a person is supposed to take. It's the next small step a person is supposed to take after they've made a commitment to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of their life. And so if you haven't done that yet, I wanna really encourage you to take that next step. In fact, you may be watching this on a Sunday morning and if it's not past 11.30, you could totally get to our, our church in time right now and just drive here and let's get you baptized today. But if not, and you're watching this later, I would say this, man, let's get, make sure you get signed up to be baptized the very next time that we baptize this coming fall. And so no matter where you're at today, there's a next step for you. Because I believe, even if you've been baptized, there's people that we know that haven't been. There's people that we know uh, that, that we could encourage with their story. And if you're a part of a church, Baptism Sunday should be one of the most celebrated Sundays all stinking year long. I mean, there's some big Sundays. There's Christmas. We just got done celebrating Easter. I think my third favorite Sunday besides Christmas and Easter is Baptism Sunday. 
because we're celebrating someone crossing over from death to life. We're applauding them, cheering them on. And man, what I want you to know is at Grace River, we love helping people take next steps on their spiritual journey. And so if your next step is baptism today, I wanna encourage you, what in the world is standing in the way? I know that you would do something big for God if asked, but maybe today you're not supposed to do something big for God. Maybe it's something small, which is just taking this next step of obedience and saying yes to being baptized, to going public with your faith. And so I'm gonna pray for you right now. And uh, I'm I'm gonna pray ahead of time for you that you have the courage to take a next step today. Let's pray together. Father, I'm thankful for my friends that are watching online today. Help every single one of us to take next steps. God, we each have people in our lives that that need to know about Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us to not just get familiar with them and lose touch with the fact that they need your son, Jesus. But God, I also pray today that you would help us, uh, those of us that need to take the next step of being baptized, God, that you would give us the courage to take that next step. Give us the courage to sign up. Give us the courage to take the next step. And God, I pray, even for the person that's watching online right now this morning that needs to come and get baptized, God, I pray that you'd help them get in the car and just do it. God, help them see nothing is standing in their way. So God, I just want to say that we love you today. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. And help every single one of us to understand the significance that none of us could ever have a relationship with you without your son. So God, thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for what happened on the cross. And God, thank you for what happened three days later. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all of this. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.